Welcome to the Spanish Arpada. I'm Sarah. And I'm Peter. And we are ranking and reviewing all of the rulers of Spain in this series, mm-hmm. Yoel Rey, from Leo Vigild to Felipe VI. Again today, we're not going to be reviewing any person. Okay. No, we're, we're, we're still got some background stuff. I wanted to talk about the Visigoths for a it bit. It feels like we're being very teasing to the audience, but we okay. We are a, a little, <laughs> little teasing, I, I, I think so. But I, I'm aware that an English-speaking audience doesn't know a lot about Spain. Mm-hmm. And I really kind of want to talk about some very important things that you need to know right. about the Visigoths before we get started. Well... And, and it's hard to imagine being bored by the Visigoths. I mean, I immediately think of large men in leather putting things to the torch. So There's right off the bat, that's like three or that. four of my favorite things right there. So let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. So the Visigoths. This is kind of a background episode on them. These okay. are, this is the first post-Roman kingdom in the Iberian Peninsula. The Visigoths. Right. But they're not native to the area at all. Right. So the Goths are what the Romans called barbarians, which Mm -hmm. sounds terrible, but they called everybody barbarians. Right, right. And if I can just introduce a little bit of trivia, do you know where the word barbarian comes from? Now, I've heard a couple stories. Okay. But I'm not sure what... what, The one one that I heard and believe is that it's a Greek word, Mm -hmm. and it was coined, no doubt, by the Athenians Mm -hmm. in the the golden era of Greece. And barbar in Greek is the equivalent in English of blah, blah, blah. Uh, So if you you did not speak Greek, uh you were a barbarian. It literally meant one who does not speak Greek. That's how nationalistically insane the Greeks mm. were. If you would, did not speak Greek, you were subhuman. Yeah, and of course, basically just went blah 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 all the time. Right, and the, and of course, the Romans would oh, no doubt they love the Greeks. Oh, we can be snobs too. We can be racist too. Watch yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. No, not worth listening to if you don't speak exactly. Greek or Latin. Just blah blah exactly. blah. I don't know. I don't even want to hear you. Exactly. That is that is barbarian. So, <laughs> so not an insult to the Visigoths to call them barbarians. No, and as a matter of fact, they had their own language, obviously, but they also had their own writing system. And ah. we do still have a Bible that was written in Gothic script. One of the early. Oh, there are so many hot topic jokes that I'm not making right now. <laughs> I so want to make hot topic jokes. All right, keep going. (laughs) No, but the point is, yeah, the Greeks and the Romans were super snobby about it, but, you know, they they, they held their own. um, Yes, yes. (laughs) Now, so where did they come from? If you study Roman history, or if you listen to Totalis Regium's first Mm. season, you'll hear a lot about the Rhine Legion and the Danube Legions, right? These were the military contingents based on the Roman sides of the aforementioned two rivers to keep Mm -hmm. barbarians out. Right. So here's some geography again. The Rhine starts at the north of Europe and goes north-south-ish straight down modern-day Germany. The west side was Roman, and the east Mm -hmm. side was barbarian. And the Danube River starts at the Black Sea, just mm-hmm. which is just above modern-day Turkey, and right. it goes roughly east-west-ish, below mm-hmm. Romania, above Serbia, across Hungary and Austria. Everything to the south of this river is Roman, right. and everything to the north of the river is barbarian. So if right. you think of like a, a, that corner of Europe that contains yeah. most of Germany, 
Poland, Lithuania, mm -hmm. Belarus, Romania, right. Ukraine, Czech Republic, Slovakia. Right. This is Basically, barbarian land. If you eat goulash, yes. you're in that area. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, this is where the Goths come from. They okay. come specifically from the bottom right of that Gothland right. angle. So like Romania, Moldova, Ukraine areas. Mm -hmm. There are actually two groups of Goths. We have the Visigoths, which means Western Goths. They more come from Romania. Mm. The Ostrogoths, which means Eastern Goths, more come from Ukraine. Now, okay. obviously, the relation is not east-west right now. They got no, no, no. Visigoths and Ostrogoths because of where they ended up. Right. But right now, they're living to the north, right to the north of the Danube River. Okay. Very close to Roman land, actually. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. means that there was a lot of interchange, both good and bad, between the two right. over sure. the history. The Goths spent a lot of time raiding south of the Danube. Mm -hmm. Right? So they'd just they'd cross the river. They'd knock over a couple farms steal all the resources and the goods, take right, all the sheep, right. go back north. And run back, right. And run back. Very common. However, a lot of Goths were hired as mercenary soldiers to fight in the Roman army. So, for example, if they were going to go out against the Persians, they would right. hire Goths to fill out the army. Sure. So there's a lot of cultural interchange, both good and bad. Sure. This kind of changes in the mid to late 300s, right? Okay. The Goths wanted to move south permanently. They wanted to live south of the Danube and live within the Roman Empire. This mm. was because of the Huns. Oh, boy. Of Attila fame. They There's were, always somebody. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So Attila the Hun and his Huns were on the move, and the Goths were scared of them and wanted protection. Rightfully so. Yes. Yes. I was going to say. Sound policy. Yes. Uh, so the emperor at the time was Valens, and he mm -hmm. allowed them to cross the river and move south and settle and bring their women and children. But the immigration process was handled really badly, either through, no! either Wait through a minute. or on purpose. A mass immigration process was handled poorly by an aging empire. How is that possible? We've we've got yeah. no we've got no equivalent for it in the modern era. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> well, part of it was incompetence, yes. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But part of it was just straight up malfeasance the general, oh, sure the general that was assigned to oversee the resettling of these peoples he had for example a a set of food supplies that he was supposed to distribute well he just confiscated them and no them. Mm, yeah huh. and if they couldn't afford it your kids don't get any food so there was a right. lot that just a, a lot mm. of issues this eventually led to war the Goths went to war against the Romans. Right. They fought the Battle of Adrianople, and the mm. Valens died in this battle, along with most of his contingent of the Roman army. Completely. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. This is one of the things that led to problems later on, because this is a time when a lot of barbarians are crossing the Rhine and the Danube, and they just didn't have the forces to stop it, because most right. of their forces died at the Battle of Adrianople. Right, right. So yeah, the Goths won the battle, but it didn't really help. They didn't gain any more protections or access to resources. Yeah, but it must have felt really good. It probably felt great. Oh, it they weren't in any better. Of a so much better. Yeah. I mean, you know, what did Custer's last stand solve? Nothing. But oh my God, did it feel so good? I'm sure it did. Right. So eventually, the Goths get it together. Some of the Goths, and they decide mm -hmm. to choose a king. 
and they choose Alaric. He was chosen okay. to be king by some of the Goths. And okay. these are the ones that end up being the Visigoths. Okay. Alaric takes up the fight to have a safe area for his people to live in. Mm -hmm. Now, the emperor by this point is Honorius. And he was against this. <sighs> no. Very against this. <laughs> yes. His general Stilicho went to war against Alaric and the Goths many, many times. And this culminates mm -hmm. in the sack of Rome in 410. Okay. When Alaric okay. just... Straight up gives up, goes straight to Rome. Right. The whole city. First sack. Screw, screw, screw this nonsense. Let's just end this. Exactly. Once again, Totalis Rankium's episode on mm. uh, Alaric, I mean Stilico, I mean Honorius, <laughs> is ah, re gotcha. really great. Thanks. Right. <laughs> Honorius was still against giving up any land or power to the Goths, but then well, <laughs> other barbarians were sweeping into the Iberian Peninsula and Honorius decided, okay, we'll settle them there to get rid of the other barbarians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the only reason he said yes. Right. Yeah. This is in about 417, right? Alaric had died by this point, but Honorius granted the Goths territory in southwest France, just over okay. the So right. Toulouse, right? This area that we talked okay. about. We're not doing anything with this. You can have it. You can have it, and mm -hmm. you can do your raiding into mm -hmm. Spain, and mm -hmm. get rid of the, the Allens and the Vandals right. and the Suevi who are right. right there. So now the Goths are settled in southern France as Federati of the Roman Empire. Mm. And they keep Spain pretty calm for a while. And they even mm. help keep the Huns out of Western Europe. Nice. Nice. Then the Western Roman Empire falls. I was going to say, but... <laughs> but, yeah, not long for this world. Mm -hmm. The Visigoths keep going on, though. They're ruling over southern France and keeping an eye on Spain. But they start feeling pressure from the Franks. Now that right. the Roman Empire is gone. I was going to say, the Roman Empire is gone. It's got to be a free-for-all. It's a free-for-all. So the Franks, mm -hmm. who are another barbarian tribe, right. start exerting northward pressure because right. they're, they're settling in France. Mm -hmm. right? They end up going to war, the Visigoths and the Franks. They have a, a battle in 507, the Battle of okay. May, I believe it's pronounced. Mm -hmm. Oh, let me just say this right now. I'm going to butcher me some Visigothic names. All righty. They're, they're Germanic and old, and I'm, I'm not, not my strong point. Anyway, so after this battle in 507. I don't think that's going to get you canceled. I, I, don't, I, I don't think know so. I don't, I don't who, know. I don't know maybe, who would object, but you know, you never know. The hot topic. Yeah, exactly. The hot, <laughs> oh, God, they would know. <laughs> right, so after this battle, the... Visigoths are kicked almost entirely out of France. They, they right. end up settling in Spain. Right. Uh, they eventually set up Toledo, and th that is their new capital since they lost Toulouse. Okay. And with the help of the Ostrogoths, who have set up in Italy at this point, they, they, they stabilize things. And so okay. the Visigothic rulers were basically puppets of the Ostrogoths for a while. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. And now we're at our current point in history, the year 560. Okay. So that's why I decided to start here, rather than with Alaric or with the Battle of Voulay or anything like that. I okay. didn't think I could improve on the Totalis Rankium episode about Alaric, first of all. Right. And I didn't want to start in 507 because almost immediately after that, the Visigoths have a regency that was completely controlled by the Ostrogoths. And then for on and off, the Visigothic rulers are just puppets of the Ostrogoths. Yeah. And I didn't think that was really super interesting. I mean... Not to mention the fact that if this is a story about kings, the people in charge need to be the people we're talking about. Well, and right. 
it's not until the first ruler that we cover, Leovigild, that the Visigoths really controlled the bulk of the Iberian right. Peninsula. Right. Right? right. There, there were just a lot of lot of issues. All right. So there are two very important things you need to know before we get okay. started with the Visigoths. That's okay. number one, they are not Catholic. Okay. Not Catholic at all. They all are right. Arians. Now, Arian is not spelled with a Y, it's spelled with an I. They are followers of a heretic called Arius. That's why they're okay. called Arians. Yes. Yes. Arians differ from Catholics, and I'm simplifying this massively because I know we don't really want to get into, you know, uh, heretical sects and very small points of difference of faith and things I, like that. This is one of those things that I should know more about it than I do because I've read a lot about the Arian heresy, which is mm -hmm. which continues to be a thing for it hundreds does. and hundreds and hundreds of years, uh, or at least hundreds and hundreds of years. But I swear to God, every time I read about it, my eyes glaze over and I start to think about, are the prequels really the worst movies ever made? And, you know, just, I, I go elsewhere. So please Well, it's, give it's me, pretty simple. Here's, please here's give the me the matchbook. Yes, please. This is going to seem very minuscule and not really important to non-Catholics. I was going to say, so in other words, it's Catholic. Right. It, it will also probably not seem very important to anybody who doesn't live in the classical age. But here uh -huh. we go. When it comes to the Christian Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yes. Arians believe that Jesus is subordinate to God and that the yes. Holy Spirit is subordinate to Jesus. Right. So there's a hierarchy. So it's a ranking. Yes, yes exactly. It's a ranking. Right. Catholics believe that they are all equal to each other and in fact, the same essence. Right. right. That's the difference. That's the difference. That's okay. it. That's the whole difference. Constantine the Great was the emperor yes. who first converted to Christianity and made Christianity right. the state religion of the Roman Empire. Yes. And he was super annoyed at, at Arianism. He, really? He, well, I mean, the point of having an organized religion be the state religion is that you can take advantage of the organization. Right. And if there's a schism, then that just ruins. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. What's the point of an organized state religion if it's not organized? Exactly. So he calls the Council of Nicaea to settle. It. Right. He gets all of the bishops and, and high up people in the church together and he mm -hmm. says, fix it. Right. Decide what's right. Are they the mm -hmm. same or is it a ranking? Right. Arius himself actually attended. Mm. Yeah, he, he attended and, and uh, debated his side and right. the debates got so heated that it is said that St. Nicholas slapped Arius across the face. Wow. Yeah. This is one of those things where does everybody make it out unburned? Um, <laughs> just... Nobody was burned, but it was very polemical. Um, uh -huh. And eventually the Catholics won out. I'd just like to point out that he got slapped by Santa Claus. He did. I mean, how much of an you have to be yeah, pretty to get slapped big. by Santa Claus. Santa Claus, the man who is known for giving presents. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All, All right. right. Yeah. So Arianism was officially a heresy. And this was unfortunate for the Visigoths because they had first been converted to Christianity by Arian missionaries in the two. Ah, I yeah. see. Oh. So they were firmly Arian. Basically, these are the, these, for 100 this, years. This is like my parents back in the day buying a Betamax. 
Yeah, they, you can't. They, they, you they, went, they went with Betamax and everybody else said, nope, it's VHS. You, you're, you're not going to be able to use. Well, anyway. Well, you got to, once you commit, yeah. it's really hard yep. to go back. It really um, is. And at this point in our story, in the 500s, the Visigoths are one of the only groups in the West to be Aryan, right? Oh, boy. The Franks are Catholic. The Anglo-Saxons are just starting to become Catholic. The mm. Irish are definitely Catholic. No. The, the Goths are the odd ones out here. Right, right. This is going to be a problem for several mm-hmm. busy Gothic rulers. Yeah. So that's that's the first thing you need to know. Not okay. Catholic. Okay, not Catholic. Gotcha. The second thing you need to know about the Visigoths is how they ran their successions when the previous okay. king died. Okay. Genature, which means that the oldest son of the king will inherit the, right. the entire kingdom from his father. Right. It hadn't really been entrenched anywhere in Western Europe at the time. No. Yeah, nobody, okay. Nobody really did primogeniture. Um, huh. And annoyingly, every barbarian kingdom seemed to do their succession a little differently. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Guys. Really annoying. <laughs> So for Look, example, this is a patriarchy, guys. Just just roll with it. Just, no, just, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Franks, for example, when they did their successions, the father would divide his territories among his sons. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shakespeare wrote a play about that. It doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Then the sons would pass their territories onto their heirs, right? Uh-huh. So this sure. is why when we start talking about Leovigild in the next episode, we're going to be mentioning uh-huh. three separate Frankish kings. We have... <sighs> Chilperic, Sigebert, and Guntram, and they were the sons of the previous king of the Franks, Clotar. Uh, so then you have these little. I'm sorry. This kingdoms. is this is the era where we have names that sound like Tolkien's first draft. That that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm probably yeah. butchered it. Uh, here's yeah, some more. No. Each of these kings ruled different kingdoms within the land of the Franks called Neustria, Austrasia, and Burgundy. I recognize one of those. One of them, <laughs> one of them remain. Neustria and Austrasia will eventually go away. Right. So the question for the Franks is what happens if one king's line runs out? They don't right. have any more sons. Right. What happens is another of his brothers or the successor of one of his brothers will take over and add to his territory. Okay. So this is what happened among Chilperic, Sigebert, and Guntram. Guntram didn't have any sons. Mm. When he died, Sigebert's son, Childebert, inherited both Austrasia and Burgundy. Gotcha. And then Neustria remained with Chilperic's line. So that's how they did it. Okay. The alliances and, and the territories would change as through conquest or because a king's line ran out. Right. Basically, this is a system designed to make school children miserable a thousand years later because they have to memorize they have to memorize this stuff. Well, Battle Royale has been having another great ranking podcast has been having a great time with Indian kings. I I would I would imagine. (laughs) Right. So this is not how the Visigoths did it at all. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. (laughs) Different. Well, the the Visigoths. it's slightly simpler. The norm was for there to be just one monarch. Okay, good. Busy Gothic succession is elective. Okay. So what that ha- what means what that means is that when the king dies, the nobles yes. get together and they choose another king. Right. Doesn't right. have to be the king's son. Right. However, the king typically wants it to be the king's son. Right? right, right. So many kings tried to goose their son's chances to inherit the throne by associating their sons to the kingship. I see, I see, right. I see, yes. They would 
for example, delegate a part of the kingdom to their son's right. school, or they right. make their son a general, or something yeah. like that. Right. That meant. I'm not saying that Dan Jr. is going to take over the franchise. I'm just saying he's assistant manager of the day shift. That, exactly. Okay, I see. And what this typically meant is when the king died, the nobles would be more likely to choose the associated son because right. he'd already been doing it. Right, then, devil, yeah. devil you know. Right, yeah. sure. And we will see this happen with Leo the Guilt. Right. But it doesn't have to happen. So, no. Okay, good. So this, this will be very, very interesting to see. We're not going to have a straight father-to-son succession through the business. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're starting in 560. Visigoths will run until 711. And okay. at this point, there's nobody else ruling in Spain. So we're just going to go straight through the Visigoths. There's like okay. 15 of them. Yoinks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> a lot. It's a lot. Some of them don't rule for that. I was going to say, given that there can be a great deal of competition and resentment during succession, it's entirely possible that there's going to be guys who were doing this for like a week. Uh, we we don't have any weeks, but we'll 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 get kind of close. Okay, good. So episodes will be as long as they are, right? Okay. I'm not going to try. To, I'm not going to try to fill necessarily. If right. it's a particularly short one, I might release two in the same week. I think so people that don't makes have sense. a 10 minute episode. Right. But some of them are going to be quite short. Gotcha. Yeah. So that is the Visigoths. Next week, we're going to do our very first actual ruler, Leo Vigilt. Oh, goody. Yes. So I hope you'll tune in to hear that with us. You can please do, uh, please do. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter as the Spanish Arpada. Goody. Uh, we also have an email. I don't think I mentioned it in the last one SpanishArpada yep. at gmail.com. Ah. Yeah. So if you'd like to okay. email any questions or concerns or anything like that. Oh God, not concerns. No. Yeah. Please don't email about how much I butchered Leo the Guild's name or something. Uh, like that. No, don't do that. Don't, don't do, do that. that. Don't do that. Right. But, but anything else that you'd like to share with us, go right on ahead. We'll see you next week. Right. Our very first ranking. Yes. See you next oh. week. Bye. Bye.